0: How do we desire to love life? How do we see good days? How do we keep our tongues from evil? How do we keep our lips from speaking deceit? These are the words that we've heard in our epistle reading this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, We come to you with Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who has spoken a word to us and has made us clean, who has deposited in our hearts the ability to believe. So, Lord, we pray that you will help us to nurture faith. We pray, O Lord, that you will help us to pray, to be a people of prayer. We pray, O Lord, that you will help us to walk obediently and to walk in joy. Yes, Lord, that we might water faith so that we might be fruitful branches. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen this passage before us, this gospel passage, reveals a glorious doctrine. It's one of the seven I Am statements of Jesus for which John records. It makes clear the self-revelation of Jesus. It's at the heart of Christ's final discourse with his disciples. And in this same event, Christ had washed his disciples' Feet earlier in chapter 13. He had declared himself as the way, the truth and the life. And he now declares himself as the vine, the father as the vine dresser and his professed disciples as the branches. Yes, here we find a glorious doctrine of Christ and the good news of his salvation we discover the profound meaning of that phrase, of the Word or Son of God, which was made very man, which is the subject of Article 2 in the Articles of Religion. You see, we find the unity of the Incarnate Christ, fully God and fully man, connected to us, humans, connecting us to God here we find not only the unity of the incarnate Christ, but also the comprehensiveness of Christ's sacrifice. And if we are to nurture faith, if we are to to love life, if we are to see good days, then we must meditate on the comprehensiveness of Christ's sacrifice for us, You see, in our passage before us, we see that those who have an enduring relationship with Christ are those who do four things. They trust, they pray, they obey, and they have joy. We learn how we are to be fruitful. We're to be fruitful by trusting, obeying, and praying, and being people of joy. If we expect to be fruitful, then we must water our faith. We must learn to celebrate. So I invite you to open up your Bibles or your service booklets with me to our gospel reading. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So how are we to remain in Christ? How are we to have an enduring relationship with him? If we wish to be fruitful, then we must nourish our faith or our abiding is the word that John uses here in this passage. Despite never mentioning faith in this passage, in these 11 verses, 10 times he uses the word abide, remain. He's talking about an enduring relationship with Christ. He's talking about faith. See, Jesus paints for us a picture of to show us that he is the life giver. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, he does, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Immediately, Christ shows us that he and the Father are the source of life. He tells us that he is the vine that gives life and an abundance of fruit. And that the Father is the vine dresser who gives care by tending to the vine branches. For some he prunes so that they may bear more fruit, and for others he takes away so that they wither, die, and are burned. So the question before us is what fruit are we producing? That's the question we should ask. Is the vine dresser pruning us to fruitfulness or severing us to fruitlessness? Are we branches that will be pruned or are we branches that will be burned? We should not leave this text without seriously examining ourselves and learning what type of branch are we? That's the question that we should ask. What type of branch are we? You see, Christ not only shows that he is the life giver, but he also issues a caution in verse 2 so that we may believe and not be taken away. Did you hear that? He issues a caution, a warning, so that we might believe and not be taken away. If you look just a chapter later, you see that Christ says all these things in this final discourse so that they might not fall away this is an act of mercy yes so we should embrace this warning of not bearing fruit we may think that the pain that we have suffered is for our destruction but find that is actually for our salvation even in this caution our lord is speaking mercifully If we be branches of the vine, we have reason to rejoice. We are still joined to the vine. We may not be bearing fruit, but the Father has not yet cut us off. He has not yet cut us apart from him. So we would do well to remember that Christ is communicating to his disciples here in this discourse. It's not a message of judgment It's a message of mercy. He is guarding his flock. He is protecting his branches. Now look with me at verse 3 where Jesus says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken, uh, spoken to you. Before Christ issues his command to his disciples to abide in him and he in them, he assures them of the source for which this abiding springs. Before he begins repeating over and over again, ten times exactly, this word abide, he makes this statement that they are clean. It was perhaps only an hour before that Christ had washed his disciples' feet And that he had declared the eleven disciples clean. And so here we learn that faith is impossible unless Christ declares us clean. He is the great depositor who has deposited in our hearts this ability to believe and to be part of nurturing this faith that he has given us. You see, faith springs from the very Word of God in Christ Himself. He is the source from which it springs. He is the vine that makes His branches bear fruit. And this is why Paul, the Apostle, asked this question in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You see, Christ, through his word, deposits in our heart, through our hearing, faith. It is good news that you are here, that you are in this service. This in itself is a sign of God's love upon your hearts as he is depositing the ability for you to believe so that you might nurture that great gift of God and live a life of love, a good life. So I ask, have we heard Christ declare us clean? It may have been many years ago, but we must not forget those most comforting words, that you are clean. The fires of faith must not grow cold. It is by His Word that causes faith to spring up inside us. Jesus believes in and through us. Have you heard Christ say that I believe in you? So you see, that's how we're to see ourselves. We're not to see ourselves in all our flaws and imperfections. We're to see ourselves as those for whom Christ believes in and through. You see, this passage before us is really about faith. Consider the major theme, abide. Ten times this word is mentioned. True faith is found, you see, in the enduring relationship with Christ, being connected to him. He's the one that makes us believe. And so what must we do? What must we do to nourish and nurture this gift? What must we do to have this enduring relationship with Christ, our Lord, and our Savior? Well, we find within the remaining verses four things that we must do. We must trust. We must obey. We must pray. And we must rejoice. That is how we nurture the deposit for which Christ has put in our hearts. That is how we nurture faith. He is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into fire and burned. So let us trust him. Let us abide in him. Let us remember his promises. Let us be encouraged. You see, if we be branches joined to the vine, then there is hope. All is not lost If we be connected to the vine, then we are not apart from the vine, but can do something. But if we are apart from the vine, we can do nothing, Jesus says. So you may be a branch that is not bearing much fruit, but hope is not lost. Turn to him, remember his promises, and the Lord will nurture in your heart Of faith. He will strengthen within your heart the ability to believe. Yes, let us trust in His work and in His word. Let us turn to Him, not to our flesh, not to society, not to our resources, even. Let us turn to Him. Just like the early church did, they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread. The prayers let us turn to him. Now look with me in verses seven to nine. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, he says. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You see how Jesus gives us another way in which we are to nurture our faith in Him. You see how He shows us how we are to have an enduring relationship with Him. It is by praying. That is a sign for which God is strengthening our faith. If we be branches joined to the vine, then we have access to the life giver. We are connected to the life giver and our desires become his desires and this is why the psalmist writes delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you jesus says in verse 7 it will be done for you because you are abiding in him your desires are his desires Notice the conditional phrase at the beginning of verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You see, when we truly believe in the Christ of the Bible, when we truly believe in the Christ of the Old and the New Testament, we will pray in His name. We will pray in His character. And when we do, our Heavenly Father will provide for us All that we ask, every bit of it, we will be part of the mission of God. And so I say give up on this world. Don't waste your time with this world. Let go of it, abandon it, invest totally and completely in the trustworthiness of Christ by praying. And trusting in the God of the Bible, in the Christ who reveals Himself to us as our Lord and our Savior. You see, prayer is not about manipulation. It's not about control. It's not about Jesus being our our buddy, our genie in a bottle. No, prayer is about true connection. It's about access. It's about communion. It's about finding joy in sharing and participating in our Lord who satisfies us. You see, prayer is about satisfaction, but it's not just about satisfaction. It's about setting us upon mission. We have purpose. Prayer, in fact, is the means to mission. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified. By the means of prayer, my Father is glorified. By the means of asking whatever you wish, you see, when we are truly abiding in Christ and His Word is abiding in us, we are not only satisfied, we are set on mission to be fruitful in such a way that glorifies the Father and proves that we are His disciples. And when He proves that we're His disciples, That not only strengthens others in the faith as we give witness of Christ's good news, but it strengthens us as well. And so the assurance of our salvation emerges in this text. He assures us when we pray. He makes us and sets us upon his mission. He gives us purpose. You see, our work is not just for His glory. It is for our satisfaction. Our work is not a work that makes us weary. It's a work that makes us strong. Yes, He is is glorified. And the more that He is glorified, the more that we are satisfied. And the more that we and others are strengthened in Christ. We must abide in Him. And we must abide in him by knowing this, that it's because he first loved us that we can love him. For Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Here, Christ introduces this phrase, abide in my love. When he tells us that prayer is the ingredient for nurturing faith, he now introduces this phrase, abide in my love. Now, I don't know, but perhaps prayer has something to do with remaining and abiding in the love of Christ. We see Christ clearly. He reveals himself to us fully. We know love when we see it. And so let us see Christ as the one who loves us. Let us savor him as the one who loves us. Trust in the love of Christ for us and do it by praying. Maybe we should commit to simply just praying the Psalms. As I've said before, I remember my New Testament uh, professor saying, or actually my, my uh uh, Bible theological professor saying that we do not know the Bible unless we know the Psalms. Perhaps we should commit ourselves as a solemn assembly to praying the Psalms. Maybe then we will find ourselves abiding in the love of Christ. Maybe then we will find ourselves united as a church. Let us abide in the love of Christ and let us do it by praying. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so the third practical way that we can strengthen our faith or our abiding is by obedience. While good works do not precede faith, they certainly strengthen it. We learn of this in Article 10 of the Articles of Religion. In other words, if we keep our Lord's commandments and follow his example, we will abide in his love. And so, are we abiding in the love of Christ? Are we following his example and commandments? Are we taking up our crosses and following our Lord? And are we doing it for the sake of others? Are we preferring others before ourselves? We cannot fulfill the great commission if we do not practice the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If we do not practice obedience, we cannot abide in love. Now, obedience is often glossed over and not given much attention. We're happy to ponder the mystery of God's means of grace to the sacraments, but hardly give much attention to the means of grace through obedience. After all, we do believe that we have two sacraments for which Christ is commands so that we obey them. And this is how Christ nurtures our faith. Through obedience, when we follow his commands and his example. You see, obedience is paramount to strong faith. Obedience is significant to abiding in his love. There's no fast track to abiding in the love of Christ. There's no drive through lane like a fast food restaurant. We must remain faithful, connected. We must be branches that are fruitful and connected to the vine. If we wish to abide in the love of Christ, then we must practice obedience. We must echo those words of the psalmist in Psalm 119 who says, I love the law. I love the law. How do we love the law? Why does he love the law? Because he doesn't practice it to be accepted, but practices it because he has been accepted. You see how Christ transforms everything. The law is no longer condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has fulfilled the law. He has made that which was an enemy to us an instrument of His grace upon our hearts. So let us obey our Lord's commandments. Let us abide in His love that fulfills all of them. Now look with me at our final verse. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, the final way that we are to strengthen our faith is by rejoicing. By being people of joy. We rejoice not because we have won the lottery or because we had a delightful day. No, we rejoice because our Lord and our Savior gives us His joy. That His joy is in us. He not only gives us His joy though, but He does so for the purpose of making our joy full. Filled to the brim. You see, this is a joy that is a heavenly joy. This is Christ's joy. It's a joy that is not our own. It's a joy that has been won for us. It's a joy that we should have never received. Our circumstances here on earth do not dictate our happiness. Like the Apostle Paul, we can say, Rejoice again, I say rejoice again. Even though we find ourselves imprisoned in this world, we can say like Paul, rejoice again, I say rejoice. After all, he was imprisoned when he said those words to the Philippian church. You see, this is not a joy that we have taken up. No, this is a joy that has come upon us, a joy that has been given to us. And it is a joy that we must commit to nurturing if we be people who abide in the love of Christ. And so I challenge us, I challenge us to begin a season of intentionally celebrating. Each week we come to the Lord's table and we celebrate the gifts of God for the people of God. And how do we come to the Lord's table, I ask? Is it not by faith? and repentance in thanksgiving. So let us be a people of faith. Let us be a people of celebration. Let us nurture these characteristics that prove that our relationship with our Lord endures. If we wish to be fruitful, let us practice rejoicing. Let us practice obeying. Let us practice praying. And let us practice trusting. These are the characteristics for abiding in Christ. Amen.